I've come to a timeless spot in Australia to do the next part of this series of episodes. Uh, and this series of episodes is now called Mungo Time. Uh, first things first though, never stand, when you're on rocks, never stand with your back to the waves. Uh, unless you've got a phone in your hand and you can see them. Uh, Alright, um, so uh, this seems like a good spot to uh, get a grip on this idea of the dreaming um, and also to get a grip on oh, no, I better watch these waves um, or as I might uh, end up a little bit timeless myself uh, and also to get a grip on this idea of deep time an indigenous concept and a Western concept at the same time, I can't get a grip on either. Uh, but this book, Deep Time Dreaming, is assisting me. Uh, isn't this nice compared to book? There's a big one. Um, isn't this nice? Uh, doing it here, this episode, um, instead of um, in my car, as I normally do. It's actually pretty. And obviously, obviously, um, yeah, there was an indigenous, an indigenous bloke my age, almost certainly, standing here, checking out the rocks, standing on the rocks, talking into his iPhone, um, you know, some 30,000 years ago, some 40,000 years ago, some 50,000 years ago, it doesn't matter when, uh, but I'm in a timeless moment here. Uh, all right, now, I, I can't be expected to under, you know, to understand timelessness or, you know, in the dreaming sense. All right, but um, reading this book, well, listening to it, audio book, and also um, reading a lot of other things over the times about Indigenous Australia and about Western ideas of deep time too, which are just as mind blowing. But the idea of, you know, just the concept of 65 million years ago, you know. Or whatever it was, um, with the, the dinosaurs. You know, there were dinosaur types around here too. Um, uh, not too far from here. I'm, I'm in Lawn, but you know, in Sorrento, uh, there was a, a, a giant wombat found. All right, so on and so forth. Um, the book I'm listening to at the moment, Deep Time Dreaming. Uh, just checking my son. He's walking up on the cliffs over there, uh, exploring. Like an, um, a young indigenous bloke of nine years old might have done <laughs> 40,000 years ago, right here. You know, there's, your, there's your timelessness. No, that isn't your timelessness. I'm getting an idea of what timelessness is, and here it comes, and I'll give it a go. It's this business of this example I gave in Tasmania, where 5,000 years ago, um, an archaeologist did their carbon reporting a big one. Chase me, and I got wet that time. <laughs> uh, it's all part of it. The second one's often bigger. The tide's coming in slightly. Alright, um, okay, there was ta in Tasmania. Um, look, um, some kids wandered into a cave in Tasmania and in the cave, on a ledge, was a little tool 
that the, the person who was last in that cave had left for the next person. Now, as a, in Western thinking, that's mind-blowing. You know, someone left a tool there in this cave 5,000 years ago, and it sat there, not even gathering dust really, because it was in a bit of a closed cave, you know, and he had a very narrow entrance. And um, 5,000 years later, a kid, a couple of kids, well, there was one kid first, wandered in there, and, um, and there was the tool there. I think the kid might not have touched that. Um, but some archaeologists came afterwards and they picked it up and, oh my God, goodness. Now, if an indigenous person had have gone into that cave recently, because it was fairly recent, this, um, they might have seen the tool there and they, you know, let's say Western, we Westerners hadn't come to Tasmania and wiped them all out, which is an absolutely terrible thing, except for all the ones that are still in Tasmania. It's a vexed issue that, yeah. Um, but yes, the Tasmanian indigenous peoples were wiped out and yet there are still plenty there needing land rights and all that sort of stuff. So you need to hold both truths in your head at once in a way, which is a bit difficult, but you've got to do it if you want to be smart. All right. Trugging in here and all that sort of stuff. All right, now, the last Tasmanian, she wasn't the last Tasmanian, because I worked with a bloke who was uh, indigenous Tasmanian, Bob Johnson. All right, and uh, anyway, he wouldn't mind me naming him. Gonna get wet again? Yes. Oh. My legs are wet now. All right, this is the big one. No, not quite. Right. Now, if an indigenous person had uh, gone into that cave they, and they wanted to um, shell some shells or whatever they wanted to do, cut a few things, um, strip a few fruits, or I don't know what, they would have gone, oh, thanks, Joe. You know, referring to the bloke who left that piece of flint or whatever for the next person. Now, in that sense, that indigenous person uh, that happened um, most definitely. That bloke left that flint yesterday, just as surely as he left it 5,000 years ago. But in the West, you know, for that indigenous person, it's not a 5,000 years and one day, for if you want to shell some shells, shell some mussels or something, that piece of flint just sitting there on that ledge hasn't moved for 5,000 years, just neatly. It was actually neatly put there. Um, it hasn't moved. Now, um, on another ledge over the other side, there might have been a bloke in, uh, in another cave, just down the road a little bit, uh, there might have been another cave where someone yesterday had left a piece of flint. And this indigenous bloke who's gone into this cave and then in the, into the other cave as well, what's the difference between the two caves? Nothing in his, um, in terms of his relationship with the, and um, gratitude for the, person before him who had left a tool for him um, kindly you know and that's what you do you, you know that's the, that's the right thing to do the bleaky, the blokey thing to do all right okay what's the difference all right so one day is no different to 5,000 years if you're living in that atmosphere it really doesn't matter but a westerner went into that cave and his mind was blown I don't know who he was Bola or you know Bowles or um, Reese Jones, or I'm mixing all the names up by now of all these archaeologists. Um, you know, Mulvaney, could be in anybody. Right, 
McBride. Yeah, all, all the names are getting jumbled for me, but that's not the point. Listen to the book yourself if you want to know. Right, now here's the thing. And this gets me thinking about, you know, gets a little, uh, gets me thinking about deep time and all deepish time, you know, it's not deep time like the um, dinosaurs, nothing like it, you know, shallow time compared to the dinosaurs, 5,000 years. It gets me thinking about the indigenous attitude towards a person who was um, wandering past this cave yesterday and a person who was wandering past that cave 5,000 years ago, they coexisted. For the, for the purposes of just experiencing life in Australia. There's no difference. That was a big one. My shoes are really wet now. But I like to wear shoes because these rocks are really, um, these rocks are really sharp. See, is getting more violent. All right, and it would have been just like this 5,000 years ago and 25,000 years ago. Right. So this gives me an idea of Congress. Now, um, there was a Western archaeologist, and I think that might have been Bola or Bowles or whatever his name is, Jim, um, yeah, discovered Mungo Man. This is getting, this is getting pretty good. Um, and Lady Mungo, Mungo Lady, um, which have been carbon dated 40,000 years ago. But for an indigenous person in that area of Mungo Lake, Mungo National Park, as it's now called. It's going to be bigger this one. Um, for indigenous people, Mungo Lady, they have a relationship with Mungo Lady, just like they have a relationship with someone who died only one year ago. Um, she's just, she, she only died yesterday. It doesn't matter when she died, she just died. You know, and it, she's no more fascinating. And this is the thing, Westerners found Mungo Lady very fascinating and Mungo Man too. Um, but to the average indigenous person, moving her bones is no different from moving the bones of someone who died just yesterday, and that would be a little bit awful. So when Western archaeologists moved Lady, Lady Mungo's, Mungo Lady's bones and took them to, I think it was um, uh, Canberra, uh, to a university, University of Canberra, I don't know. Um, there was uh, one particular lady, uh, uh, I forget her name, she won Indigenous Person of the Year for what that's worth, um, NIDOC or something. Um, she, she felt um, hurt that one of her people had been taken away from her resting place. And um, Mungo Man, for example, at least, had been um, covered in ochre um, in a place where ochre isn't found which is quite amazing. Um, so there's lots of ceremony and all that sort of stuff. He'd been laid to rest and now he had been uprooted. And, um, and uh, this indigenous lady felt the pain. Now, um, all that, you know, how can you do that? That's my, um, that's one of my people. But to the Western, we Westerners, we are happy to dig up someone who is our ancestor, as long as they're at least a couple of thousand years ago. Like, even 500 years ago, we're fine with it. You know, if I've got a great-grandfather who's 500 years ago, I don't mind that bloke. Um, here we go. Is this a big one? Being um, ripped up and put in a museum for everyone to gawk at. You know, I don't really mind that. We see that, you know, um, in Western culture. You know, the bones of people a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. You know, like the people who died in, um, under Mount Severe, you know, in, um, 
under Mount Vesuvius all right, in uh, Pompeii. All right, uh, but indigenous people, this really hurt this lady because just like that um, in Tasmania, 5,000 years ago, the stone was put there by a very real person. And then the next day, well, 5,000 years later, during which all of history as I know it unfolded. So between the flint being put down and then the next day, someone coming in, oh good, a flint. Thanks, Joe, whoever you were that left that, really appreciate it, that's gonna come in handy. Boom, picks it up and then puts it back again for the next person, which might be 25,000 years from now, had we not come here, you know. Now, <laughs> between, between one muscle being shelled, or crab or whatever, and the next crab being shelled, 5,000 years unfold. In that, in that moment in time, all of Egyptian history unfolded. Um, agriculture developed in uh, Jordan 5,000 years ago. Um, Babylon rose and fell. Greece rose and fell. Rome rose and fell. All of the, pyra the pyramids were built. And all this time, this flint is just sitting there waiting for the next person to come along to shell a crab, right? Um, all of European history unfolded. Um, Buddha came along in India. Um, China rose, you know. Um, the, um, oh God knows, you know. People came down, the Vedas in India were written. Um, Hinduism was invented. All this, and all this time, this piece of flint is just sitting there patiently, not even gathering dust. Just sitting there as fresh as the day it was put there. What else happened in all that time? Um, people inhabited uh, the Americas. They hadn't been there before. Oh yeah, no, that, was, that happened before the 5,000 years. But you get what I'm saying. Maybe people started to... I got wet again. And, and But the point is, Egypt wasn't even... hadn't even started, really, as we know it now, um, when this indigenous bloke put this piece of flint down there. So, you know, this is your idea of the dreaming. The idea of the dreaming, I think, you know, uh, there'd be more to it, I can't get my head around it, uh, would be this business of that person 5,000 years ago is just as relevant as someone who exists right now. And um, now, speaking of 5,000 years ago, there's another cave they found. Um, I think it was in the Western Desert over in Western Australia or something. And um, the archaeologists got in there and they found out it had been inhabited for these purposes, shelling and all that sort of stuff. 5,000 years ago, and they went down a millimetre or a centimetre or whatever to the next strata, and um, it had that, that, it was not a cave but an overhang. They said, oh, it was occupied from 5,000 years ago until recently, but um, no, one, no one visited that cave before 5,000 years ago, back to, back to 25,000 years ago. 25,000 years ago, right. The, the um, Native Americans are definitely not there. So uh, in Amer the Americas yet at that time. All right, so what you've got there, and this is real dreaming now, you've got someone who shelled a fish, probably left a little stone for the next person, and the next person came along 20,000 years later. 20,000 years later. That blows my mind because I'm a Westerner. But for the person who rocked up 20,000 years later, you know, in, in this overhang, under this overhang, 
So there was occupation, 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 shellfish, 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 um, up to 25,000 years ago, and then nothing. And then 5,000 years ago, bang, again. And this starts to get my idea around, I'll be one second, okay? One second. This starts to get my eye and my head around the idea of dreaming. And obviously I'm just scratching the surface. Um, but what, what happened with uh, Mungo Lady in this context in the end? Yes, we carbon dated her and all that sort of stuff. And that, um, that allowed us to work out that indigenous people have been here at least for 40,000 years, 42,000 years. Um, freaked us. This is all recent, you know. I'm living in these times when we're discovering all this stuff. It's amazing. I'm living in a time of great discovery, you know. It's probably a greater time of discovery than when Captain Cook was around. Yeah, much greater. All right. Um, and I'm living in it, and Captain Cook isn't bad like James. <laughs> um, but um, with Mungo Lady, um, it eventually was decided that Mungo Lady had to be reburied where she was found. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I, I think that's wonderful. A lot of people thought this is just absolutely stupid. Mungo Lady does not belong to the current mob that lives in that area. She was 40,000 years ago, for God's sake. That's like all of Egyptian history, which is only about like, well, I don't even know how long that is. Maybe it's five, maybe it's six, maybe it's 7,000 years. And then do that again, you know, six times. You can't lay claim to this Mungo lady, you know, you people today, indigenous Australians, but they can if it wasn't 40,000 years ago. If 40,000 years ago was only a day ago, in the context or sense of the way I've been describing how time means nothing and doesn't matter, well, you know, look, it means nothing and it doesn't matter. And in that context, which is a real context, it's one context, just, you know, it's just as valid as 40,000. 40,000 years being amazing and 40,000 years being so what? It's a fine line between the two things. There really is, you know? Um, okay, so what they did, they did put Mungo Lady back, um, but they put her in a locked safe, you know, to try and, um, they buried her back where she was found, but in a locked safe. And they've given, and it's got two keys. Uh, one key is um, in the hands of uh, Western scientists, Australian scientists, and the other hand, uh, the other key is in the hands of um, the indigenous mob in that area. And you need both keys to open up. Mungo Lady. It's in a, it must be a very strong safe. I don't know what sort of safe it is. Um, you know, if someone comes and finds that, you know, if we have a um, nuclear war now and all that sort of stuff, um, they're going to come across that and they're going to go, what the hell? We've got bones here and they're in a safe. It's an interesting thought. 40,000 years from now, you know, after all civilization has died, we've all gone back to apes and then we've evolved again. <laughs> oh, that takes more than 40,000 years. Um, it's an interesting thought though, if someone comes across that safe a long time from now, because it could easily be forgotten as to where that safe is. We know where it is now, um, but you know, it only takes 50 years and stuff like that can be forgotten if we have a war or something. And if, in, a, in a hundred years, it could be easily forgotten. In a thousand years, it could be very easy forgot, easily forgotten. In 10,000 years, don't even think about it. In 40,000 years, it could be really, you know, and there it is. That, do you know that um, cave in Tasmania, the archeologists who archeologized it, do you know what he did? He sealed it, and um, but he left. A, he put a bottle of port on that ledge near the flint, 
um, and then sealed the cave up again. And that's how it sits to this day. Um, that's kind of cute, you know. Um, that archaeologist, I don't know which one it was, but maybe it was Rhys Jones, you know. Um, sorry, Professor Mulvaney, it was you. And sorry to anyone, whoever else it could have been. Um, that is interesting too, isn't it? They've left a bottle of port there. It's only a cheap port. He's only an archaeologist. He couldn't afford much more. <laughs> but it's there, bottle of port and a little note, which someone 40,000 years from now won't be able to read. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? Um, I think. And, um, and um, same goes with Mungo Lady. We are part, you know of the dreaming now we westerners here in australia and uh we are part of the dreaming you know because time will stop if we have a war and so on i've got to go